my friends, you're about to hear 10 things I do that help keep me emotionally stable and sober. If you've struggled with bipolar, depression, anxiety, giddiness, and euphoria, and out-of-control feelings, this will be really helpful for you based on my experience going through those exact things. And if you get anything out of this, you can have hope. I remember my emotions used to feel so permanent and hopeless and... Today, I feel grounded and I feel in control of my life, which is really nice. So uh, the first thing that helps me stay emotionally stable and emotionally sober is getting honest about exactly where I'm at in each moment and separating as much as possible how I'm feeling versus the stories I'm telling. Then I can say things like, oh, I'm feeling scared right now or I'm feeling sad right now and I'm feeling nervous, I'm feeling confused. And then there don't have to be all these stories with it. It's just a feeling in the body and feelings in the body can pass. When you put the stories together with an emotion, then, oh, I'm feeling sad because my dad died. Well, my dad's been past nine and a half years now, and it'd be uh, unproductive to keep being sad over the same reason. And uh, taking those feelings and stories apart allows us to have different feelings because I can also feel happy that I love my father and uh, I can feel joyous that my father's not suffering anymore and uh, has a chance to have a new life and I can feel grateful that I'm able to contact my father directly telepathically so when you take apart the feelings and the story that really helps stabilize things everyone I see struggling is always pairing a feeling with a story and that's where you start feeling powerless and you have to be honest though when don't tell somebody how are you doing oh i'm doing great when you're not when i am uh, struggling which happens you know a time or two during the week for uh, usually a little while and i sometimes will just be quiet if someone asks how i'm doing like i'm feeling a little confused right now or i'm feeling a little down right now and then i'll talk about the things i'm thinking about as if they're not necessarily and definitively related because sometimes the same things I'm happy about are the same things I'm sad about. That's the starting point. And when I got honest nine years ago, when I first got sober, I realized my feelings are totally out of control and my drinking's totally out of control. And I saw that I could not get sober with all these out of control feelings. So the second key thing is to, uh, if you want to be emotionally stable, then don't do emotionally destabilizing things. And for me, alcohol and mind-altering substances are emotionally unstabilizing forces. Now, I know it's challenging when a lot of us think that we are drinking or taking drugs to try and feel better, but really... We're often taking these things to try and get temporary relief or try and gain some control, and we're often not thinking long-term. Because what's challenging getting sober and getting clean is the short-term thinking when you're sad or depressed and thinking, you know, I'll, I'll just do drink this or take this so I can feel better right now. But then you don't look at the long-term cost of that. What I've found is that Yes, drinking often would provide short-term relief to feeling anxious or feeling depressed or feeling confused. But long-term, like the next day, 
Drinking would often provide the hangover, and the things I did drinking would often provide more confusion, more anxiety, more fear, and that drinking exaggerated my bipolar nature. It's much easier being sober to not go bipolar, but when you drink and take yourself way, way high up here, and then you hang over and go way, way down in the depths of depression, even then when you don't drink the next day, your, your body and your mind are still in this habit of going to these extremes. So if you don't want to go to those extremes, what I've found is to don't take anything that fuels the extremes. When I drank, it would get some of the highs out to just ridiculous levels, and it would push some of the lows to really scary and dangerous levels. So uh, for me, no mind-altering substances and getting honest about where I'm at is the starting point to emotional stability, but there's a lot of work to do from there. The next big thing to do is to uh, be in a community of people that have the same intention. So if you're trying to get sober, going to Alcoholics Anonymous and other support groups can be a big positive part of that. If you have experienced a lot of emotional instability, hanging around people who are emotionally sober and emotionally stable can really help. On the other end, if you're trying to get sober and you keep hanging out with people who are drinking, it's difficult to stay sober. And I consistently see people relapse in Alcoholics Anonymous who are unwilling to stop hanging out with their drinking friends after they try and get sober. So being a part of a community that has the same goals and desires that I do gives me a huge lift and allows me to get my own power back to go through with decisions like I'm going to stop drinking that I couldn't do before on my own. Being a part of a community of people who love you and support you and care about you is a huge emotionally stabilizing force. And the great thing is that groups like Alcoholics Anonymous and other support groups, they have these all over the world. And if you're not an alcoholic, they have things like Al-Anon. If you've got an alcoholic family member or friend, adult children of Alcoholics Anonymous. And there's all kinds of other groups for people who are emotionally unstable that are supportive. There's all kinds of communities. There's religious communities. There's organizations that, you know, charity organizations if you don't know where to find a community, you can just start thinking about, you know, where where can I go where I can find people like me, where we can love and help and support each other. I read a book by a doctor called Mind Over Medicine that emphasized the massive health value that being a part of a community has. And I would define a community as people you see almost every day it doesn't have to be the same people like i go to alcoholics anonymous five days a week i don't see the exact same people at every single meeting but there's uh, probably 50 or 100 people i consistently see every week that's a community so i'm not talking one or two people one or two is better than none but i think these bodies are wired to be connected with to 50 to 150 plus other people People who really know us, who really see us, who are in the same tribe as us, who are interested in the same kind of life as we are. What makes it difficult to be emotionally stable is isolation. So the fourth step I'm going to identify here is to avoid isolation. 
isolation is both mental and physical mental is where you're not talking about the things you're thinking and the things you're feeling with people where you're thinking and feeling these things secretly and especially if it's some negative temptation like you're trying to get sober and you're thinking about drinking what helped for me to get the breakthrough was to tell other people i'm thinking about drinking and tell people at aa i'm thinking about drinking tell my mother and that's the end of mental isolation and physical isolation is also toxic the people i know who are the most sick are also the most physically isolated they often live by themselves do not hang out with hardly any other people and they often will look at well i don't want to be around anybody because i'm sick but from my point of view they're sick because they're not around other people and if they would go be around other people when i came to alcoholics anonymous i was mentally and physically ill and i'm not now so isolation is the opposite of what you're looking isolation is where you get into severe emotional instability because being around other people helps naturally regulate emotions. When I go to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting and I sit there and I listen to everybody sharing and everybody's lives, I naturally start to balance my emotions. If I'm really happy, it's like I give some of that to other people and I kind of, you know, get grounded back to earth a little bit. And if I'm really sad, I get picked back up and feel a little bit better. Other people naturally help keep our emotions grounded. So the fifth suggestion I will offer is that dating someone or being in a romantic relationship with someone who shares your life vision, who you both grow together and make each other better, is an incredibly supportive part to me of not being emotionally isolated. Like my wife knows me better than anybody else. She can read my moods exactly. And while this is intimidating and it can be scary and you can think I don't want somebody to know me this well, it's actually quite the opposite that it's really nice to have somebody know me that well. It's really nice to have somebody who can read my mind and know what I'm thinking. And I'm never alone anymore because of that. And I, the same way with my wife. And that was one of the first big things we came through when we started dating is it was amazing how well we could understand each other. And if you want to have a great relationship, you need to get rid of anything that's taking up that space, which means leaving relationships that aren't great or setting a vision like, look, if we're going to have this relationship, it's going to be great. We're going to love each other. We're going to grow together. We're going to make each other better or we're not going to do it. And I'll find somebody who will. And I know that's tough. But I have a wonderful relationship with my wife because I've said that with her. Like, look, let's make this relationship great. Here's what I want. Tell me what you want. Let's make sure we can do it. And, uh, you know, let's be clear and honest with each other. And in the past, I dated people that we just weren't making each other better. And either I left or they left. And it was great. If you're not in a position for one reason or another to date and it whether it's whatever it is you might be surprised open your mind i my aunt was in her 60s and was divorced and didn't think she was in a position to date and i encouraged her look try she went out on one date and was all down i'm like keep going like it's unreasonable expect you to go out with one person and that's gonna be it do you know how many people i went out with before i met my wife a lot and uh, you should feel instant compatibility generally with a person that is right and if you say no to everybody who's not right you move to get in the right position you can find somebody who you really make each other better 
the and if you can't date for any reason then having a supportive living situation because generally if you're dating you're going to end up living together living with your kids or your parents your family members anybody who can love and support you in that in a family you know loving environment that you can depend on and rely on that is if you're not dating that is the next best thing and that can be friends i have a girl that's a friend here and she's consistently lived with other women while she was single all you know the same life vision same values as her and then she started dating someone and she moved in with him so it's it's been great to see how she's navigated one thing she's done that's made her life so much better is she never lived by herself she kept living with other single women when she was single and then she lived with a guy and it's it's helped her navigate life a lot more smoothly so the sixth tip I'll give for emotional stability is be very considerate with the things you take in. If you watch a lot of movies and TV shows where people are hitting each other and guns are pointing at each other all the time and you're looking for a suspect and your music's talking about dealing drugs and you know shooting people and getting over and getting that money, the things you take in often are subconsciously adding programming to your mind so it's unreasonable to take in a bunch of conflict based in, you know inputs like if you're grinding out four hours a day of war zone it's kind of unreasonable to think that you're going to be emotionally stable doing that now i know i used to play a lot of video games and i noticed that video games contributed to my emotional instability i would often get really low or really high playing Warzone. And I'd feel either drained or all euphoric. And then that would contribute to my emotional instability in the rest of my life. So when you're thinking about what I do is I look at each thing I'm taking in. And I look at, is this TV show something I want programming my mind? I mostly watch Star Trek with my mom now. And yes, you can occasionally have some junk food. I watched, you know, an action movie with my mom at the movies the other day and you know, even one action movie, I felt a little, a little off and it had an impact on my emotions. But, you know, you got to live a little bit. We're not trying to just be completely boring and not do anything with anybody ever. And it is important to honor other people. But what really matters is what you're doing consistently every day. Like if you listen to, you know, certain kinds of music that are all wah, wah, I hate my life. I'm isolated. Everybody's wrong. I'm a victim. Everybody sucks then uh, it's going to be hard to be emotionally stable when you're listening to that music because that music is programming you to be like that. And you're hearing these words over and over and over again. I'm a victim. You know, life's too hard. It's impossible. I can't do it. You did this to me. I, it's not fair. I'm sorry I did this. If you're listening to all that crap, it's unreasonable to think you should be stable what I do is I mostly listen to instrumental music and instrumental music. Dead Mouse is one of my favorite artists, along with ETC Kid on Bandcamp. I listen to like an hour of his improv instrumental music every day. And I listen to Dead Mouse songs consistently. And what that does is that helps my mind open up. It helps my mind be active, but turn off the not. It helps different parts of my mind engage that the part of your mind that kind of is language programmed 
doesn't need to engage with the instrumental music. So I find it's really helpful to listen to instrumental music for mood stabilization. And I find in the past when I've gotten bad moods, I didn't want to listen to instrumental music because I didn't want to feel better. So the seventh tip I'll give you is when you're feeling down, be very intentional about doing stuff that you know will help you feel better and it will often feel wrong. And just be aware of the insanity. For example, the other week I was in a just yucky mood one morning and it, I dragged the body to yoga. It didn't want to go. It didn't want to look at anybody and tell anybody how bad, how annoyed I was feeling, how disconnected from everybody else feeling. I didn't even say goodbye to the yoga teacher when I walked out and she said goodbye to me. I tried to avoid eye contact with anybody. But just being around and doing yoga with a room full of other people helped me feel a little better. And uh, when uh, you're, what I used to do when I would be on the downside is I would isolate and I would stop doing some of the things that were supportive or I would get into behaviors that would like drinking that would further cause me to feel worse. So this is why when I'm, when you're feeling good, is the time to make habits that you can stick with when you're feeling bad. And this is what I tell people when they're getting sober is, when you feel good, you need to get in the habit of calling your sponsor, of going to an AA meeting, reading the book, and listening to stuff that inspires you. Get into the habit every day so that when you feel bad, you just do it on autopilot. Because when you feel bad is when you need your habits to kick in. My mind was screaming that it didn't want to go to yoga the other day, but I'm in the habit of going to yoga and my habit carried me there with the mind being all pissy anyway, and I didn't want to go to my meeting. Well, the part of me that was upset and sad and triggered didn't want to go to the meeting, but the part of me that wanted to feel better was desperate to go to the meeting. And if you want to maintain emotional stability... Building those habits of things you know that help you consistently stabilize and feel better is essential. And uh, with the mindset to be prepared. Because when I feel good, I know there's a time coming when I may not feel so good. And I'm prepared. My habits are in position. My relationships are in position to carry me through. And the eighth suggestion I'll give to help maintain emotional stability is when there's emotional instability detected to just realize on some level that on some level you like it on some level you're enjoying the chaos that it's fulfilling some kind of a need to make life interesting to learn something new and what i do is i ask okay what do i learn from this often our emotional instability can be a good opportunity to rethink things because the vast majority of the time for example when I'm happy and life is good and I'm very emotionally stable, I'm very grateful for my life. I love my wife. I love my kids and my mother and my meetings and my yoga and all my people online. And that prevents me from having a lot of thoughts that sometimes are productive in learning and growing and being considerate of others. And then when I am... And that can be an easy place to not have compassion for other people. To look at other people and be like, why are you being... Why are you screwing your life up so much? Just do what I did and get your stuff together. 
But then, like that day I had a few weeks ago where I was all annoyed and didn't want to look at anybody or talk to anybody, then that day helped me in several ways because my mind was just thinking the opposite of everything I normally think. For example, thinking, you know, I, I can't stand my wife. I need to get a new woman. You know, my I, I need to stop hanging out with my mom. My work sucks and I need to just quit what I'm doing. You know, everything was wrong. And... Uh, when that happens, I ask, what do I learn from this? Or what kind of thoughts that are coming now will be useful that I won't normally think? And uh, the thoughts that were useful in that state were like, man, look how hard life gets to be for me sometimes, even though I'm taking really good care of myself. Like, can I have compassion and understanding? For people where, you know, the the pain I'm experiencing is such a fraction of what they're experiencing. Can I have compassion and understanding when they're struggling? And can't I look and appreciate that, you know, I don't even want to be with another woman. I mean, certainly some part of me does, but there's not more than likely going to be a better deal with another woman. And then I face the hopelessness, like, well, I'm not happy with the one I've got, and I, I'm not going to find another one. And then uh, looking at the ridiculousness, the insanity, the irrationality, you feel really powerful to be able to observe your own irrationality and not do anything about it. For example, my wife told me the other day that she's hit a record high of money in her bank account. And I felt jealous. I felt like she ought to give me some more. I mean, she's given me plenty. She consistently pays most of the bills and consistently gives me money whenever I ask for it. And yet, I uh, I got triggered. Thinking, you know, as a man, I ought to be providing for my family. My wife shouldn't be out earning me. If she wasn't working so much, she's sabotaging my creativity. If she wasn't working so much and it was all about me, then I'd be making more money than her. And I told her, I'm like, my thinking has really devolved into complete irrationality right now. And I just need to tell you this so that it's transparent. So I told her that and I felt better. And that's why it helps so much to... Uh, to not try and fight the state of mind you're in when you're unstable, but to what I used to do in, when I was a few years sober is I would immediately, like as soon as I start feeling anything a little uncomfortable, I'm like, God, help me, please take it away. I don't want it. I don't like it. And then that's fighting. But now I'm like, all right, bring on the suffering. Let's do it. This delicious, disgusting depression, sadness. Ooh, yes. I like it. I like it. Embrace it. So number nine is to, the ninth suggestion is to realize the emotions we experience are like a rainbow. And there's this big push in our culture for some reason that, you know, you should only see certain colors. Just be happy all the time and smile and it's all good no matter what else is happening. And then if you ever have any of these emotions, there's something wrong with you and you should let somebody make a profit off of trying to give you something to numb out. And what I see is that in the middle of feeling, you know, whatever you wouldn't want to feel, depressed, anxious, confused, 
that this is a part of the human experience. And I wouldn't want to cut out parts of the rainbow just because I didn't like what color, how that color looks. And uh, I don't want to cut out parts of the human experience just because I'm here to have the whole experience. I'm here to have the ups and the downs. I'm he here to have the, the, the depressed days and the euphoric days. I'm here to have the confused, annoying days. And I'm here to have the absolute clarity. I'm on top of the world. I'm God days. And I, you can't really appreciate the happy days without the sad days. And uh, happiness all the time can feel utterly meaningless and can lead to some real sad days. So number nine is to really embrace, lean into the emotions. Don't try and force them away. Often they have something to tell you. There's an opportunity to, lower, to grow or just to enjoy the experience. And the 10th tip I'll give is to help others. Be out there looking for people who are sad. Give them a hand up. Pray for them. Ask them how they're doing. Be there to listen. I just got a text from a girl I talked with for an hour after an AA meeting today, and she really needed someone to listen to her today. And uh, I really enjoyed listening to her and getting out of my own head because from her point of view, my life situation is super easy. I have financial security. I do work I love you know, in my, I'm healthy. My life is super easy compared to hers. So it was good for me to take in her life and listen, give a few thoughts, and, you know, be in her mind instead of mine for a little while. And then she gets my perspective and she gets hope looking at my perspective that, you know, there's the possibility to change anything I want to. Everything is possible. So helping others... And these are all very related. And what I find is that, you know, doing well on one of these makes it easier to do another one of them. Like reaching out and helping others makes it easier when I'm down. I'm already in position instead of reaching. Sometimes me reaching out and helping others is when I'm in a bad mood telling my mom, like, hey, mom, I'm not feeling good right now. And I, I swear my mom loves... One of the things she loves the most is helping me when I'm not feeling good. When I'm not feeling good, it's like her life purpose is realized and she's all fired up to help me. And uh, feeling down is an opportunity for somebody who's feeling up to help you. Or for somebody who else who's feeling down for to know that you're not alone together. So I've recorded this with the hope that... These 10 tips I've given you that help me maintain emotional stability and sobriety will help you have hope and show you what's worked for me so that if, if you want emotional stability and sobriety in your life, this is what I do. So I appreciate you watching. I film this live on Twitch and on TikTok. And if you, if you found this helpful, I'd love to really get to know you. You could go to jerrybanfield.com. Follow me everywhere and keep coming back, especially on my live streams. And yeah, Jerry Banfield University, where you can DM me. Much love. Thanks for watching.